Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I am so happy you're here, and I'm so happy I am feeling better. So if you tuned into last week's episode in the intro, uh, which was all I could bear to record, um, I let y'all know that I had COVID, uh, but I am feeling better, still a little nasally. You might be able to hear that in my voice, but so happy to be back. I'm back recording a couple episodes today because I am heading to Florida to go see my mom. So I will be down there for a week and then spending Labor Day down there and then heading back up to Texas. So hope you all are having a wonderful week so far. I am so appreciative of you being here. And before we get into today's episode, which is an Ask Me Anything, I have quite a few questions to get through. I have some really fun announcements. So uh, during my COVID hiatus, I spent a lot of time uh, relaxing, <laughs> which is good. I, I, I think I needed it. And I, after I watched everything on the television, everything that exists, every series is what it feels like. Uh, so I have great recommendations if y'all need it. Uh, I worked on the overnight trainer and really, you know, this downtime gave me the opportunity to really think about what I want the future of this business to look like and the future of my support for you all to look like. So on September 1st, which is uh, Thursday, if you're listening to this when it comes out live, uh, I will be uh, sending out a newsletter and posting on LinkedIn all the new things happening here at the Overnight Trainer. So had a complete rebrand, uh, all new colors, uh, all new vibe on the website. So you can go to the overnighttrainer.com and peep that already. Uh, that was my COVID project. <laughs> uh, but more importantly than just the colors and the branding, uh, there will be a whole facelift of all of the programs that I offer. So we're talking programs, we're talking new courses, uh, new ways of working together. I know a lot of you have asked about one-on-one support, whether that's career transition or um, uh, executive coaching or coaching when you have a new role. Lots of different opportunities uh, to uh, work together, whether it's one-on-one in a group program uh, or even just via courses. So a lot more course offerings too. So my goal is to try to make uh, a lot of this more accessible for many of you. So a lot of exciting things happening. Some people have already gotten in on some of the, the things. So just by uh, having messaging me or uh, had some certain questions and uh, yeah, these new programs were, were the answers. So uh, if you are curious about some of those ways, you can feel free to DM me and get the inside scoop. But on Thursday the 1st, I will be relaunching uh, the the brand and the overnight trainer. So um, with that, I do want to give you all, especially my podcast listeners, you know, I love you all. 
to pieces and pieces. I want to give you a heads up on a couple of events that are happening in September as part of this new rebrand and uh, events. You'll see more events like this. Uh, the first one is free. Now, for those of you that have been around for a while, you know that I don't typically do a lot of free events. Um, for a multitude of reasons, but a lot of that's because I, I give a lot on this podcast, and so you can get a lot of what I would give for free uh, right here by tuning in. But I am doing a free masterclass, and this masterclass is how to start your L&D career transition. And I'm doing this, well, for lots of reasons, <laughs> uh, but selfishly, <laughs> I am getting a lot of DMs right now. I mean, my inbox is full. It's actually on my to-do list today to to go through um, just the ones from this weekend. I probably have two dozen DMs and they all are pretty much asking the same question, which is I'm struggling with my career transition into L&D or I don't know where to start or I'm lost, I'm hopeless, I'm feeling panicked. So I'm sensing a lot of that panic um, and that just confusion and overwhelm. And so instead of, you know, individually answering DMs um, and, or, you know, putting together a collection of things that I've done in the past, I am going to do a one-time, this is a one-time thing, uh, this will not be recorded for sale afterwards, uh, but a one-time free masterclass, which is called How to Start Your L&D Career Transition. Uh, the replay will be available for 72 hours afterwards. So we're keeping this short, we're keeping this sweet, we're keeping this tight. Uh, and so this is going to be on September 6th uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you are interested in registering for that event, go to theovernighttrainer.com slash events and you'll see the registration link in there. And so I'm going to walk through the steps, step by step of what that looks like to transition into L&D. And again, this is utilizing all, you know, I've now I was doing the math this morning, almost 200 clients uh, over the last two years, I've helped transition into incredible L&D roles. And I'm taking the steps that I've worked through with them and showing you those steps. So I'm going to uh, give you those steps. I'm going to give you some resources as well. So, you know, you can continue on. Um, and then, of course, I will walk you all through the different ways that we can work together to um, during that program. So uh, that's going to be on the 6th of September. It is going to be free. So if you are interested, grab a spot because I don't do this often. So <laughs> make sure to hop in on that masterclass. Uh, the other uh, event that is going to be happening is going to be on September 14th, and that will be at 7 p.m. Eastern. And this is a, a masterclass called L&D Your LinkedIn. Uh, I've had a lot of people who have asked, you know, how do I update my LinkedIn to showcase whether you're in a career transition or not, right? But how do I, how do I start to portray myself uh, as, you know, someone who's in this industry and someone who, you know, is, you know, going to get noticed. So really the goal of that masterclass is that you're going to walk away with the formula and the tools to go ahead and completely revamp your LinkedIn profile to speak the L&D language and to really feel like you are an L&D professional, whether you're transitioning in or you're already in, uh, working on your personal brand, whatever it is. If you're an L&D or want to be an L&D and your LinkedIn needs a little revamp, a little re-spruce up, uh, this masterclass is going to be for you. Um, it's only $111. You're going to get a lot of content um, and you'll get a, a little workbook to uh, work through after the masterclass is over. So both of those, if you go to theovernighttrainer.com slash events, uh, both of the registration links for those are in there. So yeah, a lot of fun stuff happening 
in Overnight Trainer Land. And I'm excited to see you all in both of those masterclasses. Also too, if you are listening to this, when this comes out, which is going to be on August 30th, um, you have one more day to access the bundle. So there is a bundle of my courses right now, uh, the summer bundle, a career transition summer bundle, which has four of my signature courses. Uh, it has the Nail Your Niche course to help you find that dream role, the Resume Reprogram, which is a new course of mine, which helps you to create a resume for that dream role. Uh, you also have the What to Post on LinkedIn uh, course, as well as the l and Career Confidence and Clarity course. So basically everything you need to find a role, market your and sell yourself confidently is inside of this bundle and the 31st is the last day to access it so that is Wednesday I keep forgetting that there's 31 days in August right yeah yeah. Uh, so the last day to access that is going to be Wednesday the 31st uh, it's an incredible deal it's $333 for all four of those courses alone they're well over I think it's like $599 or a little over $600 uh, for all of them separately so you're getting a hell of a deal from that uh, so you can go to the overnight trainer.thinkific.com to access that or feel free to DM me and I'll send you the links. Okay, I've talked enough. <laughs> well, talked enough about all of that stuff. Let's get into today's episode. So today's episode is inspired by an Ask Me Anything that I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was on a road trip. We were actually heading up. Um, it's actually when I got COVID. <laughs> we were heading to a concert. That's where I got COVID. So uh, while I was on this road trip, I did a, a an ask me anything. And so there was a couple of questions that, although yes, I answered them in uh, on LinkedIn and in that ask me anything that I wanted to cover today and be able to go into a little bit more detail. Obviously, there's only so much you can type. So the first question came from Cassie and Cassie asks, what resources, books, etc., would you suggest for an instructional designer who is interested in leading an L&D department in the future? And I love this question because I think no matter what your role is, even if you're just trans, not just, that sounded bad, even if you are at the point of your career where you're transitioning into L&D for the first time, I, I love the idea of keeping in mind what the future looks like for you. Now, I actually had a client today who just, she's in our group coaching program, uh, which will be relaunched, by the way, soon, so stay tuned for the, the revamp of that. But uh, what I love about these group coaching programs is many of my clients find roles before their uh, their time is up inside the program. And one client in particular this morning literally just signed her offer letter, uh, is starting, I think, next week. I think, the, yeah, or the next week or the week after. And she's already, she hasn't even started her new role yet. She's already thinking about positioning herself for the next role. And so I love that, right? It's like always thinking ahead. And what's great is we still have time together inside of the career coaching program. So that's the the beauty of, you know, finding that role with still having time left. It's like, all right, now on to the next. So Cassie, I love this question because I think if you know that in the future, you'd like to have an L&D uh, leadership role. Again, maybe that's a year in the future. Maybe that's five years in the future. Even if you're going to have, you know, maybe an informal L&D leadership role. If that's interested to you, interesting, interesting to you, then, you know, start preparing for it now. The biggest mistake people can make is like waiting until they finally like are like, okay, now I'm going to apply for that role. And now I'm going to try to, you know, spruce up my leadership skills. So to answer your question, uh, a couple different resources. First and foremost, one of my most favorite, favorite books ever, and I read this book years ago, um, and it's still just such a gem. It's called It's the Manager, and it's by Gallup. 
And for those of you, many of you know that I'm a Gallup Finders coach. And so I utilize Finders a lot. And when you buy the book, you can actually, I, I believe, let me see if I, if I see the book here on my bookshelf. Uh, yeah, you get a free StrengthsFinders um, code, like coupon code. So you can actually do the StrengthsFinders assessment, which is really great. Um, so you can get like, I think it's basically, it's like getting the assessment for free once you buy the book. So... The reason why I like this book is twofold. One is it's really, it, it outlines really, I hate to say simply, but it is simply, like it, out, it outlines in simple terms the impact that you have as a leader on a team, right? That kind of, not necessarily being like the CEO, right? But, you know, in that, that middle management role, the impact that you have. And I think no matter what type of leader you are, L&D or not, it's really important that as you go into managing people, that you understand the impact that you have on them. It's no longer about you as an individual contributor. It's about you as a leader and a leader of individual contributors or a leader of you know managers. And so I love this book because it really outlines step by step and what, what it takes to to be a really incredible manager. And then on top of that, the reason why I love this book even more is it does talk organizationally. How do we support managers organizationally? So this is the beauty of learning and development is that, you know, especially when it comes to leadership development, I would always think, okay, what is it that, you know, that I need development on, right? Like, what do I want to focus on? Because I'm sure there's other people who have that same struggle inside of the organization. Maybe it's giving feedback. Maybe it's, um, having performance conversations, maybe it's development, whatever it is, right? And so uh, the book's really great because not only does it give you tools as a manager, but then it also helps you see more organizationally how we can support managers better. And that's our role also as L&D. So I love the book because it's like a, a twofold. So I highly recommend the book called It's the Manager. Uh, and then one of the things that I do with all of my executive coaching clients, and by the way, you don't have to be an L&D executive to get executive coached. Uh, a lot of my clients are new to their L&D roles, are new to L&D leadership roles. And so one of the tools that I utilize with all of them is the ATD, which is Association for Talent Development, their talent capability model. And this is absolutely free. You can go on and do an assessment. And this model is really great because it helps you identify areas that you can work on developing. So when I have my clients who are new to leading L&D departments, uh, or all my executive coaching clients, I go through this, I have them take this assessment, and then we look at what their results are. Because what happens is a lot of times, especially when people are new to anything, right, or wanting to develop a, a new skill or grow in their new role, they tend to go all in, right, of like, okay, Here's 10 things I need to learn and do. And we kind of jump head, head first into them. What, what I like about this assessment model is that it, it helps you take a step back and say, okay, what are the areas I'm already doing well at? Right? I always call those priority three. That, hey, I'm already doing these. I'm familiar with this. Could I, could I do it better? Yes, we can always do everything better, right? Like that's, that's the reality. But those are lower on the priority list for developing, right? That's more of like a, in, in my spare time or, you know, when I, you know, I'm in the mood to maybe, you know, dive deeper into something or have the time to do that. 
to your priority three. But your priority twos and ones, which are the things that you, priority two are the things that you are familiar with, but are, don't really have expertise in. And priority one are things that you are not familiar with. And so I utilize this assessment to really help my clients understand what are those priority one and twos that we need to focus on developing uh, sooner rather than later. And so if you are interested in becoming, you know, and leading an L&D department one day, especially in Ocasio asked here as an instructional designer, right? Instructional design is just one small piece of L&D. And so this talent capability model really helps you understand beyond ID or beyond whatever your niche is, that kind of more holistic and, and full circle that it takes to be an L&D leader. And so I highly recommend utilizing that and then going through those areas of opportunity and starting to develop those. The last thing I, I recommend is a podcast episode. So another one of these that you're listening to right now. Uh, a few uh, episodes back. Do I have it here? Let me see if I have them. Um, episode number. I don't think I have the episode number, but it was back in October of 2021. I interviewed Heidi Kirby, who is a great L&D friend of mine. And she, we talked all around transitioning from individual contributor to L&D leader. Um, and Heidi's background is in instructional design. So uh, I would highly recommend for anyone who's interested in going from ID to being in that more leadership position to listen to that podcast episode uh, with Heidi. So again, it was back in October of 2021. Um, and that really walks through and outlines her experience, which is very similar to a lot of people that I coach as well. So yeah, those three things, reading the book, it's the manager and studying the books, so not just reading the book. Um, that's what I've been focusing on more in my own development is not just like reading the book and throwing it back on my shelf that's literally buckling. Um, I need a new shelf. If y'all could see this, it's like a little scary. Um, but uh, it's not just reading it and throwing it back on the shelf, but it's actually studying the material. There's a, a big difference in that. So reading and studying the book, it's the manager taking the ATD talent capability model assessment and listening to that podcast. And so just focusing on those three things, which I mean, I think that book is like maybe $30. Um, you know, it's a really great return on your investment to start developing your leadership skills um, as a um, as as a current instructional designer. All right, that's a great question. Okay, so Christopher asked a really uh, a really important question. And I probably could do an entire podcast episode on this. Maybe I will, but for now, we're going to focus. We're going to stick to stick to this. So he said, I'm going to be having my resume reworked by a professional and I'd like it to be L&D focused. What skills that a transitioning, te transitioning teacher has should be highlighted to make it stand out? Um, and then his follow-up question was, I have an interview for an entry-level L&D role. How quickly would someone typically be able to move up the ladder in this field? So here's the thing. I very, very, very rarely... Um, encourage people to get their resume professionally done. I actually used to do people's resumes for them when I first started this business. And what I found is that for the clients whose resumes I wrote for them, it was definitely more of a challenge for them to almost believe in themselves and believe that that's them, even though I translated their skills for them. Uh, there was no, there weren't any lying on it or fibbing or exaggerating, right? I've been in this field for a very long time. So when I see skills, I can very easily translate them. 
it almost blew their mind, like too much, right? And to the point where, you know, we would joke of like, they were like, I don't even know who this person is. Like it was them. And so the reality is like, you have to really be able to back up your skills and back up your resume. And if you do not believe in it, if you're like, who is this person? Uh, If you don't believe in it, it's going to be really, really hard to sell that to someone else. And so I, it's hard too, because I really focus on my clients, and if you take in my resume reprogram course, um, or if you're in my, my group coaching programs, you know that I focus a lot on creating just one resume, right? Not one that you're editing every time you have a, a new job, or you know, rewriting your resume for every every job that you apply to. But we ha- we create a resume that's focused on your specific skill set and the interests that you have, and because most resume writers do a really excellent job of capturing what you've done in the past. Um, but without really knowing like what your niche is, right, it's really hard to translate that into the future because you can't just create a standard L&D resume. There are thousands, if not tens of thousands of different titles in L&D that do different things. So I focus so much. The first thing that we do, no matter what capacity you work with me in, um, when you're if you're looking for a career in L&D or to move, you know, move up is we focus on what your niche is and your niche isn't just one particular role. So that's that's a that's a, a fallacy that I think a lot of people push of like pick one role. Um, it's not about picking a role. It's finding the intersection between your skills, your interests and your values. And that's not one particular role. And so what happens is a lot of resume writers will either write your your resume very broad, right? So from a, L&D, a generic L&D perspective, that's not going to get you far because, again, there's hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of different roles, tens of thousands of different roles out there. And so when you have this very, very generic resume, not going to stand out. Or they pick one position for you or you pick one position. So let's say like instructional designer or learning management system coordinator or training coordinator, whatever it is, right? And then tailor this resume towards that, which again, now you're just pigeonholed into one specific type of role or you have to redo your resume every single time. So uh, I really, really don't recommend it. And the reality is if you're asking the question of what skills should they highlight, they should be able to answer that question, right? And if they can't answer the question of the skills that you need to highlight as a transitioning teacher into L&D, I would not spend my money on that. I would absolutely not. Um, Instead, I'd spend my money on uh, my resume reprogram (laughs) course. No, but in all seriousness, like there are resume writers out there who are excellent and who have really great results. So make sure you you ask for them for a sample of their work, uh, that you get, you find out what their results are. Um, I think any any coach, any uh, resume writer, anything like that should be able to speak to their results. Um, I post mine on my like on my coaching page, like on my website. Um, I want people to be able to see what those results are. Uh, year year over year. And so the 2021 ones are up right there. And at the end of this year, I'll do 2022. And so if you're hiring a resume writer, you want to make sure that they like they know their shit. That's that's I'm going to leave that there. Um, So Christopher's follow up question was, uh, I have an interview for an entry level role. How quickly would someone typically be able to move up to this ladder? So my first thing here is that especially those of you who are educators, uh, you do not need to transition into an entry level role. So that's also a fallacy that is out there, that if you're transitioning into L&D, that you need to transition in entry level. Um, That couldn't be further from the truth. Very rarely do my clients transition into an entry level role, unless it's something totally different. Like 
being an educator and transitioning into L&D is like not different. Um, but I've had educators who have transitioned into into marketing roles um, where they haven't really had any marketing experience or even like recruiting roles. Um, and they've transitioned, transitioned more into the, I wouldn't even say entry level, but on the more ju- junior side, maybe one above entry level. But if you are an educator and you want to transition into L&D, you absolutely do not need to transition into an entry level role. So I want to start off by saying that. Uh, but if you choose to go entry level, because that's what you really want, what I really encourage here is to ask about the career advancement process uh, during your interview process. So if you're interviewing for an entry level role, you know, it's asking that recruiter, that hiring manager, you know, what does, you know, what, what, what typically, what does career advancement typically look like here? What does career development look like here? Right? What, how are you being invested in um, and understanding that? You know, I've had clients who got, I've had, I have one client right now who's been promoted twice since we worked together. I have another client who after just shy of a year, just got promoted to a global manager of the entire L&D department. Um, and that was someone who was in higher ed. So went from higher ed to a lead, an L&D lead role, and now is a global manager uh, for a really kick-ass company. So uh, it can happen very quickly, right? So most of my, a lot of my clients get promoted within one to two years of getting that first L&D role, but it really does depend on the company and, and how they help and grow or help you grow and help uh, you know, promote from within. So it's really, really important that during the interview process to ask those questions. What does career development look like? What does career advancement typically look like? Uh, going on to Glassdoor and those website, re- the review websites and figuring out, you know, are people talking about being able to move up? Um, another way to do this too is to look at the LinkedIn profiles of people who are working at that company. Um, I have a client who was um, looking at a, a role and they knew that they would like that role, but probably only for a year. They tend to get bored pretty quickly. Um, and everyone else on the team, they could see from the um, from their LinkedIn profiles that about every year, you know, year and a quarter, they moved around to different roles. So there's a lot of different ways that you can assess that inside of an organization. Um, for me personally, when I started in L&D, uh, with it, I started out as a corporate trainer, and within two years, I was leading the L and D, the corporate training division and department. So uh, that happened pretty fast for me. So, um, which is what the overnight trainer. Hello, uh, but there's you know it depends. There's a lot of things that it depends on as well. So and again, moving up also requires you to figure out what your niche is, and that niche is always evolving. So once I was talking about that client or who. I was talking about earlier, who now has this really great role and their next role they want to get into is sales enablement. And so now that she's, you know, knows what her next niche is and is preparing for that too. So I would think even if you are taking an entry level role or even if it's not entry level, but you know that that's a, a role maybe for a year or two years for you, it's as soon as you get in, it's figuring out, okay, what is that next step for me? All right, so uh, next question uh, that came up um, is, let me see here. So this is kind of similar to the question that came up uh, around you know, going from being an instructional designer to leading an L&D department. And this is a little bit more uh, more specific, and it's from Nawara, and I hope I'm saying your name right, Nawara. Feel free to correct me if not. Um, but she asked, are there any specific skills needed for an L&D manager or leader, or are they about the same as any leadership role? 
So here's my thoughts. From a leading a team perspective, right, the skills are going to be the same. Um, you know, it's, you're kind of, I hate to say generic leadership principles, right, but understanding your leadership style, understanding the, the style of your team, um, what motivates them, how are they appreciated, you know, how to be a servant leader, uh, how to motivate your teams, develop your teams, uh, all that jazz, right? So like that's kind of your your standard leadership 101. You know, Google how to be a great leader and you can find all those things, right? But I think every L&D leader also needs to be skilled in in additional things beyond just your kind of run-of-the-mill standard great leadership skills. So the first is I think that all L&D leaders – need to be skilled in modern learning capabilities and models. Uh, you all know I've talked about this a lot, but I, and I do consulting work with them, uh, the learning cluster design model is incredible for this because it's it's evolutionary. So not only is it revolutionary, but it's evolutionary, meaning that the model evolves um, and it almost like shape shifts and, and you, can you can use it, um, you can use it in different ways depending on your organization, depending on your learning initiative, right? It's very, very, it's iterative and moldable and fluid, uh, which I think is what any modern learning theory or process or, you know, capability uh, or model needs to be these days, right? There, There's no... There's no room anymore for for rigid models. That doesn't. It's not going to work. It doesn't work anymore. It hasn't worked for a long time. And so it's finding these modern learning capabilities and models and developing them. And so I highly, highly suggest learning cluster design model. And um, there's a book called Designing for Modern Learning. They have, uh, which is excellent. It's how I got introduced to the model in the first place. They do. Um, workshops and practicums, which I help facilitate. So if you want to come see me somewhere, you can come to that. Um, but, uh, and they also have a really great YouTube channel and monthly free meetings uh, to attend. So, uh, and dialogue. So there's a lot of opportunities to, to grow in, in the learning cluster design model. But I really, 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 truly believe that every L&D leader needs to be skilled in, in modern learning and that fluidity around it. Uh, L&D leaders, uh, a skill that they really need to develop is internal consulting. So as the leader of your team, you have to manage a lot of competing requests from other departments. And so having internal consulting skills helps you to prioritize prioritize all these competing competing projects, competing requests, right? And how to explain that, you know, to your internal stakeholders, you know, which ones take priority over which ones is really, really important. And so internal consulting, it's not just about, you know, again, you're not not that order taker. You really are a partner to the business. And having those skills to, to from an internal consultant perspective, to be able to diagnose, okay, what is the root cause here? What, you know, what is being asked of me? How can I, you know, do analysis and dig into this a little bit more, figure out what the solution is, training related or not, right? And now present that back to my, to my stakeholders along with these competing priorities. Where does that fit on the timeline? So having internal consulting skills is really, really important as an L&D manager or leader because you have to, you know, I used to have a, one of the best leaders I've ever had, you know, he used to always say, my job as the leader of this team is to block and tackle. And really what he meant by that is to be the internal consultant, right? To, to be the one to say, okay, here's all the, here's all the, the issues you're coming to me with, right? From the, the organization. And I'm good. I need to shield my team from a million requests because we only have a, you know, finite amount of people and resources. 
And so I'm going to use my internal consulting skills to you know, negotiate with stakeholders, to help prioritize, to program manage, to come up with alternative solutions, to figure out what really is a training need. Um, and so that skill allowed him to, quote unquote, block and tackle so we were not inundated and overwhelmed with the request from the organization. So it's a it's a two twofold in the sense where yes you're able to do that because it's the right thing to do right to consult the organization but you're also protecting your team, and then the last thing that I have on here too is really really knowing and being clear on the different types of L and D roles and how to leverage them on your team. So I have a I have a free guide. I think uh, a lot of you have seen it already, but it, um, if you go to my website, you can theovernettrader.com, it's on the homepage, but it's 50 plus L&D roles plus top skills needed to land them. But I think especially if you're looking to become an L&D leader, uh, printing that out or you know downloading it and looking at it and saying, am I clear on all of these roles and what these what these roles do and how these roles could benefit my organization? I think we get really, really hung up and stuck on like, the standard way of developing or creating an L&D team or structuring an L&D team where it's like L&D leader and then like L&D manager and then like instructional designer or LMS administrator. And like it's this kind of like really rigid old school way of thinking when that might not be what your organization needs. Your organization might not need an instructional designer, right? Your organization might need someone who does more content curation instead of instructional design. Uh, or maybe you need an instructional designer, but you you know don't need a facilitator because the, there's not a lot of live training that needs to happen, right? There's a lot of different ways to structure it. So I think what's key though, is that your organization is gonna require something totally different than someone else's organization. So knowing the types of L&D roles and how you can leverage them on your team. And also, you know, I think it's, I don't know if people like when I say this advice, but <laughs> I give this advice to my clients a lot as they're building out their, their L&D team that it's important when you're building the team is to weigh what does the organization need, but also what do, what do I need as a leader? So for me, I know I, I, I'm classically trained in instructional design, but I don't really like, like doing it, uh, uh, you know, every single day. And so I knew when I built out my teams that I need to have an instructional design team or someone else to do the instructional design because it doesn't give me energy uh, and it will take a lot from me. So then I can't focus on the other parts of my job. So when you are an L&D leader, it's really important to understand the types of roles, what they do, how to leverage them and seeing, okay, what am I, what skills am I missing? What, what do I not want to do or have the energy to do or the resources to do? And how can I, you know, fill that void with a position on my team? So those three skills, again, modern learning capabilities, internal consulting, and really truly understanding, um, what the different types of L&D roles are, which is a skill, <laughs> uh, absolutely a skill uh, to study on, will, would be what I would recommend for that. All right. So uh, Stacy, my friend Stacy here, said she has a question from a friend who's not actively sharing. She's open for work on LinkedIn. How do you market yourself or build your resume so it doesn't look like you only have experience in one field? So I love this question. And here's the thing. First of all, experience in one field isn't a bad thing, right? It, it's not. So if you've, you've only done quote unquote one job or had one role, like that's totally okay. It's it's not, I think a lot of people get caught up on the quantity. It is quality over quantity. Pretty much for everything in life is quality over quantity. Um, 
So it, it's less about gaining more experience or in a different field. And it's more about how do you, how are you selling your transferable skills that you learned in that experience, right? How are you translating those skills into the language of the niche you're applying to? And what happens is I think a lot of people, again, skip that niche step. So they don't know, know what their niche is. And so then it seems very overwhelming to you know, translate one particular role or one particular job. But once you understand what your niche is, like I've had clients who have just had one job. They've you know been an educator for 18 years, right? So how do we translate that? Well, first and foremost, you have to figure out what your niche is. That's part of the bundle. Like I've mentioned it before. You have to figure out what your niche is. And so when you do that and you're crystal clear on the types of roles, right, the right roles, the right companies, what that looks like for you, the intersection between your values, your skills, your interests, right, that now gives you the new perspective to say, okay, here is my niche. This is what my niche looks like. These are the skills, capabilities, you know, requirements of my niche. Now I can formulate a resume, right, around these transferable skills. I've had clients, you know, I think people too get caught up. I mean, a lot of my clients have short one-page resumes. They're getting, they're landing management roles, right? I had a client who who's just landed a VP role. So, you know, I think a lot of people get caught so caught up on the the more is more. And it's not true. Sometimes less is more, especially when it comes to your resume, right? It's like, Am I am I explaining clearly what it is that I did and how I made an impact? That's it. As long as you can do that, you're good to go there. So I wouldn't worry about it if you if you only have quote unquote experience in one field. Just figure out how does that field translate into what it is that I actually you know want to be doing. Okay, so the last question that I'm going to answer from this Ask Me Anything uh, was submitted as a joke. <laughs> But I really think it's important to talk about, especially, um, you know what, honestly, not even especially people who are transitioning into L&D, because I see this all around the board, um, people who are transitioning in or people who are new leaders or people who came from a non-traditional uh, background. And so Javier wrote, how many learning styles truly are there? Google seems to provide wrong answers, only smiley face with sunglasses. Um, and he sent an image that said, what are the seven different learning styles? What are the five styles? What are the eight common learning styles? What are 10 different learning styles? So here's the thing. And I think I'm going to do a, a whole podcast episode on this um, to kind of help break this down for a lot of people. But we, you know, there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of talk around learning styles and the idea that you know there are these four learning styles uh visual you know audio kinesthetic right oratory like you know that that these are you know reading writing that these are the you know quote unquote four four learning styles and that we all have a preferred way of, of learning. And so when we create learning, this is kind of the old school way of thinking about it. We create learning, you want to make sure that we are, you know, creating learning that is encompassing of all four styles. And so that that's kind of the old way of thinking about learning. But the reality is that's been debunked over the years. So there's there's no good answer to how many learning styles are there because there aren't there really are none. Um, but I subscribe to the idea of learning preferences, right? Learning preferences are much more fluid. And what happens is they take into account quite a few things. One is where your learners already go to learn. 
So, you know, for me, if I am, you know, I always think about this one example where in my last job, I got a second monitor and, you know, I am typically like, uh, you know, a, a reading, writing learner, if you're going to, you know, if we're, if we're going to say that, right? If I had to pick something, I probably would go like, would go book, right? But I'm not going to buy a book on how to set up my, uh, my printer or my, my monitor, right? And even read, writing it like was not, or reading it was not really, really helpful. Um, but what I did do is I watched a YouTube video, right? And literally within like one minute, my, my uh, monitors were set up. So in that moment, like when I need to do something quickly, right, I don't have time to read a whole article about it or read all the steps about it. I need to watch something, right? And so it, where do I already go to learn? Well, I, I knew that every time I've had like a computer issue, I go to YouTube. So I'm already going there. So thinking about where do your learners already go to learn when it comes to that particular subject? Um, how much time do your learners have, right? So in that moment, I wanted to get started working, right? I only had like two minutes. So again, if I spent all that time trying to find the right article, um, reading the whole article, going back and forth step by step, you know, between the screens, like that would have taken so much more time. And so for me, you know, it's thinking about how much time do my learners have to learn uh, this particular type of subject, right? We all have different thresholds for different things. You know, someone could read an article and someone could watch a documentary on the same subject, Right. And again, it's not necessarily about preference, but it might be I don't have time to watch a two hour documentary, but I could read an article for 10 minutes and learn and learn about it. So how much time do your learners have to learn? And then what moment of learning need are they in? Are your learners in? And if you're not familiar with the five moments of learning need um, by Bob Mosher and Dr. Conrad Gottfriedson, uh, I would highly recommend researching that a little bit more and understanding it. So, you know, it's not about necessarily creating training that includes all of these learning styles. It's about really understanding your learners. And I mentioned learning cluster design earlier. And one of the things that learning cluster design model does is it goes really, really in depth in their uh, second action, which is called the learn action uh, on best practices for creating learner personas. And once we start to create learner personas, then we can really get to the heart of what our learners need and what are what's best for our learners. And we'll start to realize where are they where where are these different personas? Where are they already going? Um, how much different how much time do these different personas have to learn? Uh, what moment of learning need are they in? So if you are still stuck on the idea of quote unquote learning styles, I encourage you to 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 move past that, right? So build build upon that. Uh, you know, take that and say, okay, that served us at one point, but now we actually need to go several layers deeper to understand the specific preferences of our learner personas. All right, so that is the questions that I wanted to go and dive deeper into based on that Ask Me Anything. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. Again, there are some great events that I'm hosting over the next uh, month. September 6th, totally free, how to start your L&D career transition. Sign up for that. Uh, again, com slash events. And then on the 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern, L&D, your LinkedIn, which is the masterclass to go to to develop your LinkedIn. And we'll actually be doing some things live in that class too. So you'll actually leave the masterclass with your, link, with your LinkedIn 
built like getting ready to be built out so you'll have your tagline ready uh your about section will be ready to go um your uh, experience all of those things we're gonna get ready um do some live workshopping around uh, so you leave with a great start to your linkedin profile so uh, again both of those overnighttrainer.com slash events uh, of course if you have any questions feel free to dm me and i look forward to seeing you all right back here next week Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.